You're listening to audio from Mercy's Door Community Church in Mascouda, Illinois. If you'd like to get more information about Mercy's Door, we'd love for you to connect with us on Facebook or check us out at mercysdoor.org. So, Jesus says to the pup to the masses, I am not quite preaching everything because they're not ready to hear it. But to the disciples, Jesus is giving everything for they have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so as we're transitioning, I think we can see a little bit of urgency with Jesus here because he only has a little bit of time left with his disciples. And so with that in mind, what a cool picture of what we're about to read that as Jesus sits down with his disciples kind of in one last time, this is the direction he decides to go and this is how he decides to start. Verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It starts with love. Uh, I've gotten to know Brett and Adam a little bit, and I'm super thankful for you guys and your hearts and for what you guys are doing here. Um, And a little application, I'm just going to start my sermon with an application. Uh, Can we sing happy birthday to Adam? this morning? He says no, everyone else says yes. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Adam. Happy birthday to you. And let's, let's let's add one more. Let's say all together, we love you. We love you. Amen. Uh, (laughs) It's something in the Gospel of John that he says several times. Uh, He calls himself the one that Jesus loved, which is a really cool thing that he does. Uh, And I'll start this morning just saying, we cannot serve like Jesus a people we do not love. And we cannot lead a people like Jesus a people that we do not love. And so I want to start this morning, just encourage you guys, uh, outside, if you have a family here, that's a blessing. Outside of your family, who do you have around here that you love? Who do you have here that you know well enough that when they come on Sunday morning and have kind of a strange look in their eyes, like they've had a hard week, you recognize that? Who do you have here that when you ask them about that, look in their eyes, and they don't want to talk about it, you can mourn with them? Who do you have that you long to in that moment say, you know, what's going on? How can I help? You know, how can I be praying for you? Who do you have in this body that you can love like that? And I love that you started this morning talking about gospel communities, because that's, you know, that's where that has to happen, um, and I love your dedication to that. Um, And so today we're going to talk about discipleship, and we're going to talk about servant leading. And these two are actually, they're they're the same thing. Uh, To be a disciple is to be a servant leader. To be a servant leader is to be a disciple. They're one, they're one thing. And so as we digest that today, I'm going to tell you my outline in advance. I don't usually do this. My outline is what, how, why. What, how, why. So the what of today is discipleship slash servant leading. 
and I want to establish that because how many football fans do we have here? Okay, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, are you guys Chiefs fans? Or are you Bears fans here? Steelers, okay. <laughs> I'll preach to everyone but you guys. <laughs> yeah, all over the place. So, uh, this is, so I'm just trying to describe the difference between the what and the how, and how we need to make sure not to get those mixed up. Uh, probably the best person in football for this is Travis Kelsey. On third down, you've got to get to the first down yardage. And a lot of times if you watch, they have that big yellow line on the screen, so you know where you're supposed to go. And the quarterback will throw it to somebody, and they're like half a yard behind the first down line, but they want to get 30 yards. They kind of like run in circles, and they go backwards trying to run around people. Um, and a lot of times they end up not even getting the first down because they've gotten the what mixed up with the how. On a third down, all you got to do is get the first down. Just get your one stinking yard. Travis Kelsey is really good at this. He gets the ball, and he runs over people, and he knows where the first down marker is, and he just gets the first down. Um, and so I think a lot of times we end up kind of running in circles trying to get a lot done when we realize, like, the what that we're actually needing to get done is just this. So all those things, all of what we're talking about today, I want to focus in the what is making disciples. The what is being servants, and the what is being servant leaders. So continuing, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. A few notes in this. If you guys are note takers, uh, note number one under this section of verses, Jesus even washes Judas's feet. Uh, I don't know about you guys, if I even suspect that someone is talking about me behind my back, if I even suspect that somebody doesn't really like me, uh, I can to just kind of like avoid them. You know, I don't even, I kind of try to avoid eye contact. I won't sit next to them in church. You know, I don't really want to do anything with them because I don't know what their problem is with me, but I don't want to deal with it. And that's only people that I suspect might not like me. Jesus knows for a fact that this man who he loves, who he has spent the last three years of his life pouring into, leading, serving, dying daily for, is going to betray him to a brutal death and he washes his feet. Uh, that is the heart of our God. Amen? And what we see in this is Jesus, at least with Judas, I would argue for everybody, he is not washing Judas's feet to get something from him. He is not washing Judas's feet, hoping that later in ministry he'll remember he's supposed to be a servant. He washes his feet knowing that he's going to betray him, knowing that he's going to kill himself, knowing that his, he will not have a ministry, and he washes his feet. As so we think about, like, as we get to know each other, um, so I'm planning a church in Cleveland. I'm looking to bring 30 people with me from St. Louis to Cleveland. So if you ever thought about moving to Cleveland, uh, Adam can give you my number, or you can come get my number after church. Um, but as I'm getting to know people, it's only natural that I want to really pour into the people who I want to come with me, 
who are qualified to lead in some way as they come with me, and people who might be willing to come with me. And in some sense, that's a good thing, because I don't need to be spending 40 hours a week working with people who I'm never going to see again in 10 or 11 months. But at the same time, if we just pour into people who we're going to get something from, we're not really serving them. We're serving ourselves. And so being a servant means serving people we're not going to get anything from. Even if we know for a fact we're not going to get anything from him, we serve anyway. Second thing in this, Jesus serves in the midst of what they're doing. I think when we get here in the church and we talk about serving, we naturally want to go straight to, well, who's going to teach the kids? Who's going to mop this floor? Who's going to set up the chairs? Who's going to do all these things? And those are all important things. Um, But I think the first question to ask is how can we serve in the midst of whatever it is that we're already doing? Uh, So here's an example. Uh, I've been leading a lot family up our own gospel community for a while. And before that, I've done it a few other times. I've had to have conversations with people a couple times. Uh, you know that person when you're sitting at our table of five people and an hour and a half, and they spend an hour and 20 minutes of that time talking, and no one else can quite get in. Um, maybe over a lunch, that's okay sometimes, but when you're doing a gospel community, we have to be intentional with the way we talk. Um, so I've had to sit down with a couple people and say, hey, you know, thank you for coming, thank you for being a part of this, but... Uh, We're trying to distribute our talk time here. Um, And you really like talking, and that's great. Uh, But these two introverts over here will never talk if I don't give them at least 10 seconds of silence first. (laughs) If I ask a question in small group, there has to be at least 10 seconds of silence before these introverts are ever going to talk. And so you can answer a question, but don't answer all 11 of them. Because I'm not really looking for the answer, like I know the answer. I'm trying to get us to engage together. I'm trying to digest the word together. And so a way that we can serve in our gospel communities is instead of really focusing on how can I make sure that I get heard today, we can start to think to ourselves, how can I try and make this person feel heard? And we start asking questions. Um, one good question, I love to get asked questions, and nobody ever asked me questions. Uh, Melissa asked me a question. Do you remember what you said the other day that made me so excited? <laughs> like, this is a hypothetical question. I was like, I'm excited. <laughs> I stopped her in the middle, and I said, Melissa, I'm already so excited that you're asking me this question. <laughs> we love being asked questions, but we're not very good at asking other people questions. So, if you're looking for a question to ask, uh, especially somebody you don't know super well here, uh, maybe just ask, hey, what's one thing that you're really passionate about? Or, hey, what's one thing that you really like that you think no one else probably really, really likes? I bet three out of four, nine out of ten people you ask that question will talk for the next five or ten minutes and be really excited that you asked them that question. Um, even some of those introverts, we are all excited about certain things, and we all kind of think no one else really cares. <laughs> And so that's one small way that in our conversations we can be thinking about serving instead of trying to be served. And when we see that, I jumped ahead of myself, Jesus rose from supper. Uh, Jesus in his ministry with the disciples had lots of service projects. You know, they would go here and they would preach the gospel. They would go here and do healings. They would go here and cast out demons. And they they would go and they would serve and they did lots of service projects. And their whole life was service projects. 
But here in the middle of dinner, in the middle of a routine thing that they've done basically every day together for the last three years, Jesus decides to do this thing. And so it's really a beautiful thing when serving can invade the normal stuff that we're already doing. And if we start doing that, it won't be long before we start volunteering to set up the chairs too. Um, because it, it, it follows. Um, I, think I, had a, I have a third thing before I can move forward in my text. Oh yeah, here it is. Serving is not so much an action as it is a character trait. So serving in the midst is actually the way we're supposed to live everything. Everything is in the midst. You know, we can set aside time to go serve and time to go do this, but in whatever we're doing, we have 24 hours a day to serve. And we are so fortunate for those of us who our believers, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, who is the best servant there ever was. Like, if, if you're thinking I'm trying to knock you over the head, like, you need to be a servant and stop trying to get what you want, like, that's not what I'm trying to do this morning. Like, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside you. Can we get excited about that for a second? <laughs> like, if what you're hearing is, here's like seven ways that you can try really hard to be a servant. That's, that's not what I'm doing. Like, who we are as believers in here, in our heart, where the Holy Spirit resides, is trying to nudge to us, like, hey, 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 like, that person over there, their eyes are not quite normal. Like, they probably had a hard week. You should just say, hey, how's it going? How was your week? Um, the Holy Spirit is there nudging us in those directions. Um, this is something that God is more than capable of growing in us. I'm just trying to flush this out so that we can, like, see what does it mean to serve in small ways. Um, because sometimes the serving in big ways gets in our way of serving in small ways. Um, if we, I don't know what your post-service structure is, um, but if we are in such a big hurry to tear down the chairs that we miss a visitor, I don't know, I, have, I would have no idea which of you are visitors because this is my first time. Um, but those of you who are sitting, there's people around you you probably don't recognize. Uh, even if you're serving chairs, maybe just take 60 seconds and say, hey, I don't know you, what's your name? And then you can keep serving chairs. Or while you're picking up the chairs, talk to somebody else uh, who's also picking up the chairs and do some serving that way. In the midst of everything, we can either serve or not serve. And sometimes we get in our heads this like, okay, as long as I go on a mission trip in three years, I've done my serving. Thank you. That was supposed to be funny. I appreciate it. <laughs> that mission trip in three years is great, and it is serving. But we can't let the mission trip in three years distract us from the serving that's right in front of us. Moving forward in our text. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? So, feet washing, uh, doing a little bit of context in their time. First century Middle East, pretty dirty, pretty dusty, kind of dry. Apparently they didn't invent closed-toed shoes yet. I wouldn't have thought that was that recent of an invention, but they all wore sandals all the time. And the way they got everywhere is they walked. So even on a routine day, they could walk two, three, ten miles just going around. And by the time they got inside, their feet are disgusting. You know, walking, walking on dirty roads, dusty roads, muddy roads, manure on the roads. Like, these are, your feet are just disgusting. I don't even know if we've even seen feet that disgusting. I should have gotten a picture or something. Um, 
But it's an important job to wash the feet because if you didn't wash the feet, you could get infected and infected feet would actually cripple you and it could kill you. So this is an important job, but it's not an honorary job. It is a job for a servant. And it turns out it's not just a job for any servant. It's a job for the lowest of the servants, the, the newbie, probably the young one. And so if you imagine coming into a house you probably would have like 14, 15, 16-year-old boy washing your feet. And you might not even look him in the eyes. That is what Jesus is stepping into. And so when Peter is saying, do you wash my feet? The disciples had in their heads this whole time that Jesus was going to be a political leader and was going to take, was going to take down Rome and build the kingdom, a uh, political kingdom right here, right now. And they're just kind of waiting for the day that Jesus like, gets his crown and kicks the Romans to the dirt. They're longing for the day when the centurions are kissing Jesus' feet. And here he comes, and he takes off his outer garments, and he puts a towel around his waist, and he washes their feet. This dirty, important, dirty, disgusting not honorific job. And Peter says, what are you doing? Jesus says, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. Next note about servant leading. Servant leading means serving when people don't understand it. Here's what I mean. I'm trying to look around. A lot of you, some of you have kids. I guess the kids, a lot of the kids are not in here, but you look like you, look like you have kids. Um, I'm going to have a kid in 12 weeks, um, so I don't really know anything about parenting, but I think, if any, I think you all will agree with me in this. Uh, when you discipline your kids, they don't always really understand what's going on. Uh, we can serve them well by explaining, hey, you're, you are getting time out because I told you not to grab cookies, and you understood, and you went and you grabbed cookies, and so now there's, there's consequences. Uh, but they still don't really understand, like, why can't I eat cookies whenever I want? You know, and your kids get mad at you, and they say, oh, I hate you, you know, these things, like, that is part of the cost of being a disciple, disciple maker, of being a servant leader, is that we have to serve people and discipline children, mainly. I don't know how, I don't know how many church discipline things Adam has had to do here in the last six months. <laughs> Uh, it hurts. It hurts to lead people and discipline people and children that don't really understand. But if we're going to be a servant leader like Jesus, we have to. If we are going to wait for someone to fully understand before we tell them the truth they need to hear right now, we would never do anything. Uh, and this is even to the few people that Jesus was desiring to share everything with that he was sharing the fullness of the secrets of the kingdom with. Even these disciples didn't understand, and he patiently continues to teach the same lessons that they're having a hard time picking up. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. There's kind of two directions that we can take this, and I think both of them are right. First of all, this is a foreshadowing of Jesus paying the price for our sins. If the blood of Jesus does not wash over our sins, we have no part with him. And that's very important. Bless you. Second thing, Jesus is also saying in this moment, if I do not wash your feet, you will have no part with me. 
I think this starts to ask, answer the question as we start to become servants that we all ask, which is, how can I still lead people? How will people still follow me if I'm a servant? You know, how do I not just become a doormat for people? You know, I think our culture doesn't really like this whole serving thing. You know, we want to get what we want. If we're a leader, we're going to tell you what to do, and you're going to do this. But Jesus commands us not to do that. So how can we, how can we be a servant and be a leader and not just get walked over? Uh, and I think we see the answer right here. Jesus, here's another note. Servant leadership means going first. Jesus here goes first in serving. And he is modeling serving for them here. And and he's pretty blunt with them. He says, if you don't let me serve you, you will have no part with me. And this is such a cool, like, leadership point of, like, another thing. Everything comes down to church planning for me because that's my life right now. Um, I am 26, and I'm hoping to get some people older than me come with us to Cleveland. Maybe even some people a lot older me than me to come with me to Cleveland. Uh, and so a conversation that I've been thinking through and preparing for is what happens when a God-fearing, wise, older man, 40, 50, 60, with twice as much experience in me in life, comes to me and says, I'd love to go with you, but I'm not willing to be discipled by you because you're younger than me. What do I, like, how do I respond to that? And if it's my job to disciple my leaders as the, as the elder, then I have to say to them, I probably won't say it in exactly these words, uh, but I'll say, if you won't let me serve you, you can have no part with me. But the question is, is what are we doing in that serving? You know, if we say, if you don't let me tell you exactly the way you lead your small groups, then you'll have no part with me. If you don't let me tell you exactly how you discipline your kids, then you can have no part with me. That's that is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, if you will not let me serve you, if you will not let me lower myself and pour into you and pray for you and ask you how I can pray for you, if you will not allow me to do that, then you cannot follow me. You cannot come with Stephen to Cleveland. Because it's my job to serve you. And that's such a cool picture of gospel leadership of leadership the way god has designed us to lead leadership the way that jesus went first in demonstrating for us how to lead simon peter said to him lord not my feet only but also my hands and my head jesus said to him the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet but is completely clean and you are clean but not every one of you for he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. So, just a reminder, this is all still the how. The what is still raising up servant leaders, raising up disciples, becoming disciples, becoming servant leaders. The how is looking at what Jesus is modeling for us here. So we're still in the how. Um, and so, the one who is washed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And what Jesus is talking about here is... Well, first of all, it's just practical. It's like, Peter, you're already clean. Like, I'm not going to go with you into a wash basin. And, and that, was, that'd be, that would be a really pretty weird uh, request of Peter to make. Um, what Jesus is really talking about here is when we, when we get saved, the blood washes over us, uh, we are clean. And we can boldly approach the throne 
of the Father, of the King of the universe, because he sees us with the righteousness of his Son. We don't have to be ashamed in the Father's presence anymore. Because he sees us according to the righteousness of his son. He denied his son his presence on the cross so that he can give it to us. What a cool, what a cool picture of the gospel. And so I think what Jesus is warning against here is kind of a hyper-holiness mentality. Where it's like, okay, well, if I'm really going to be like Jesus, uh, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't eat beef, so I'm not going to eat beef. He only wore sandals, so I'm only going to wear sandals. Or we start to add rules. We start to add rules to the Bible to try and make ourselves holy. Um, I didn't come prepared with a good example of this, and the one I'm thinking of, I'm not sure I want to share here. Uh, I'll just warn us against, let's not make extra rules. Like, there's enough, there's enough sins already. Like, we don't have to, like, create new ones. Um, and so I think what Jesus is warning against here is we don't, we don't, we can't make ourselves holy by trying to get extra washing. And this is just so Peter. He, he is resistant to things, and then as soon as he's in, he is all in. He's like, Jesus, everything. I will never deny you. I will follow you through to, even to death. Um, and I, I like that about Peter. But here, Jesus is warning against that hyper, that hyper holiness of adding rules and trying to make myself extra clean. It's like if, if the blood of Jesus has washed you, you're clean. But that doesn't mean that we don't come to him daily in repentance. That doesn't mean that as we walk through life and we sin, we don't repent and ask Jesus to wash our feet time and time again. So there's this, there's this tension here. God calls us clean. He also calls us to repentance. When we get caught in sin, that doesn't change our identity. The Father has called us clean, but we're still called to repent. What a crazy, what a crazy picture. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who went first. I'm so thankful that we served a God who, while we were still sinners, died for us and paid the price for our sins before we were even born, before we even had a chance to say yes or no. Like, going back to Judas, like, before we were even born, Jesus went 100% of the way for us, for you. And he died for you. Like, couldn't that lead us to, like, desire to be like him and to serve? Sorry, I'm jumping into the why. We're not to the why yet. Um, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. We actually are now in the why. So the what is servant leadership. We're supposed to all be servant leadership. We're all supposed to be disciples. We're all supposed to be servant leaders. Uh, The how is, some of the how is in this. Uh, Serving in the midst asking God to help us live in the identity of, I live to be a servant of you and others. Um, And the why. The why is not so that Jesus will be happier with me. The why is not so that my ministry will grow. The why is not so that I'll sleep better at night. The why is not any of these things. 
We are not called to do to get anything from Jesus. Jesus has already given us everything. Uh, These days in dating, there's this thing where, like, you're, you're not supposed to look needy, you know, and, like, if it takes her five minutes to text back, you have to wait six so that you don't look more excited than she does. Um, like, before we were even born, Jesus sent us that text saying, like, I love you, I died for you. Okay, question mark. <laughs> and then we, you know, we ignore that text for a long time. Like before we were even born, Jesus said, like, I have given you all. I have given you everything. Everything that I am, all of my love, all of my affection, my death, my life, my blood, my body is yours. Before we even have a chance to hear it, he's given it. He's gone all the way. And so this thing in our flesh that tells us, I need to do this to get this from God, it's sin. It's the result of the fall of Adam that we feel the need to earn. Jesus has already given us everything. Amen? And so the why of servant leadership, be it putting chairs away, picking up trash, talking to somebody a little bit differently, uh, whatever it is, the why is out of thankfulness for what Jesus did. Something I think is really cool about this text is it shows, I think in our minds, a lot of us think uh, God made all these rules for us, but somehow they don't apply to him. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God who doesn't just tell us to serve others, but we serve a God who served us first. And imagine just like, just the patience that he needed with his disciples. The patience that he needed is they, I mean, I don't know how many times I say it in John, but in, you know, in all the Gospels, Jesus is saying, whoever will be first among you must be your servant. Like, he says that so many times. And yet here at the end of his ministry before he dies, he's saying it again and they still don't understand it. The patience, that he doesn't just lash out at them for this. Like, the love and the patience in this. I just also so appreciate here, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Like in our culture, and sometimes like in Christian culture, we want to like try and deny the authority that we have, you know, or like people say, hey, you did a good job at this. Like, oh, no, I didn't. Uh, Humility doesn't mean saying we didn't do a good thing when we did. Humility means not thinking about ourselves at all. And so we don't have to deny the authority in the positions God has given us, and leading the church, and leading in the workplace, and leading in our home. Like, it's okay for us to be leaders. It's okay for us to be in charge. But oh, that our hearts would cry within us, and oh, that we would tell our kids, and that we would tell our employees, and we would tell the people going to our church, you call me teacher, and you're right. I am your pastor. I am your father. I am your boss. And now if I has, have served you would you serve everybody else? If I, the authority over you, have modeled serving for you, can you go serve as well? Let's pray.